we had a history. We are all immigrants, right? We came from different places and then landed here. And when we left our origin, port of origin, we didn't even know where we were going. And yet they were brave enough to cross the sea and to arrive here. And I think it's it's the. This is the essence of an entrepreneur. It's a risky journey. Mm-hmm. You take an adventure, you go. You don't even know where and what will happen, but still, you take the risk. Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, your source of inspiration and actions from African leaders and founders. My name is Gérald Ami serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the show. And today I have the honor to host a great leader, a believer in the betterment of human beings, a special envoy to the United Nations, and an award-winning architect that has contributed to many architectural landmarks in Mauritius and around the world. Many of you would have guessed it. Gaëtan Siu, welcome. Hi, Gérald. Yes, thank you. Thank you, uh, Gérald. Uh, um, it's always uneasy. It's easier to speak to a crowd that is visible than to speak to a, to a computer. Uh, I'll do my best. So, uh, And Gérald's smile will help a lot, probably. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it reminds me, uh, Gaëtan, when we first started this venture of podcasting, Uh, I can tell you it, it was the same feeling. It was, uh, it was a little bit terrifying. And the first time I listened to my voice after the recording, I was even more terrified. But with, with time and practice, it gets better. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gaëtan, how are you doing? How are things for yes, you? Yes. Uh, yes. Like we said, uh, with the pod, with uh, the post-COVID, everything is totally different. And in, uh, we, we seem to be working more to achieve less. Although uh, it's, it's, it's a new, I would say it's a new land, a new territory of uh, different opportunities for those who know how to handle it. And the uh, Uh, those who are faster to grasp the opportunities, I think we will do well. And, and, and uh, I think we need to do things better now that we have the opportunity of starting again. So this is basically where we are heading and what we are trying to do. Mm. As we say, in crisis rises opportunities also. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Gaëtan, before we... We go deep into our podcast of today. Would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Like, we would like to know who is Gaëtan Siu? Yes. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm a Mauritian architect. I was born in Mauritius. And I think these two, these two words define very well what I am. First, I'm a Mauritian. Second, I'm an architect. I'm a Mauritian that had the opportunity of uh, knowing the, uh, the world. You know, I think when you come from an island, you want to, to know uh, the rest of the world. It, it seems so unreal because when you're a kid, you, you, it's just 
a dot in the middle of the ocean on the world map. So the, the, the rest of the world seems like a very big place and you want to know it. And this is the feeling of Mauritian that I do have. And, and when I started traveling, I understood that being a Mauritian is make all of us, every single person here, a potential world citizen because we already have three continents in a small island. And I think this is exceptional. And this has helped me a lot when I have met people, understood better the world and uh, how the world we live in because everything in a way has a connection with Mauritius and it seems familiar, even the most remote place in the world. The second, uh, being an architect has connected me to the profession internationally as, as a big network. It started in Africa in the early days, in the uh, late 80s. I started traveling to Africa. I've been traveling to Africa for the last 30, 30 years now. And uh, I became Secretary General of the African Union of Architects, which led me to meet really a lot of people uh, mm -hmm. from my profession. But I travel not as a tourist. I travel with colleagues who know their country and have shown me their city, their continent. And I've learned a lot of things through their eyes and through their whatever they shared with me. Later on, I was... I moved up to the World Organization of Architects. I became the world president in 2005. And the same thing happened, but to the other continents, met people, politicians, uh, Nobel Prizes, and people like Aga Khan, and a lot of global institutions, UNESCO, WTO, the Olympic Committee, universities, and, and a lot of cities really a lot of cities and uh, uh, this led me also to be part of um, a British uh, initiative called Future Cities. I was on their board for a number of years mm -hmm. and all this gives me an understanding of the world and, and especially all the, the issues that are happening today and the trends, to understand the trends of today, demography, urbanization, digitalization, and of course, all the negative part also linked with that, environment degradation, inequalities. And well, this is me today with, um, I would say, an open mind on all these issues. And I'm con continuing this work in UN Habitat, in which I'm the special envoy. In Port Louis, the capital city of Mauritius, I'm the chair of the Port Louis Development Initiative in my own everyday work as an architect in my private uh, firm. And finally, a number of boards in which I share either my experience or my exposure. Huh? Um, it's, it's not necessarily linked with my uh, competence for which I've trained, I've been trained, that is architecture. I'm on the board of renewable energy, for example, for Africa. So this is part of me today. And uh, apart from work, I enjoy food. I like to cook. And this is also <laughs> part of me. <laughs> so this is... To, to answer briefly your, your question, this is a bit of me. 
so this is who who is Gaëtan Sioux. Wow, a very a very rich uh, journey, and uh, also you have a lot of in involvement um, commercially with regards to what you as you said your profession, and also for other which is not related to to your core competence and, and your profession. You are also involved into into nonprofits and all of that, and and you know yeah. Gaëtan, one one of the the main objective of this podcast also is, uh, is to help other entrepreneurs uh, be inspired by actions of, of, of leaders and, 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 and founders like you. So I'm, I'm wondering, how do you keep up with all these projects that you are involved with? Oh, I think uh, one is never alone. Uh, being an architect is, is a profession you cannot do individually by yourself and this is the the good part good side of it we're always in a team and i had always this sort of um, natural uh, preference to work with young people uh, in my own firm we have like 20 young architects who are um, just between 25 and 35 uh, years old and they, they are, and and being in Mauritius again this is very rich some have studied in India in Russia in Australia South Africa Singapore and when they come back they are full of new new ideas a uh, new approach culturally and this mix this diversity is really very um, dynamic and gives a lot of energy and these people are very reliable people also and this is how you can you know keep track of many projects and each one of them contribute very significantly on the, on all these projects so relying relying on your collaborators and and, and teamwork is what uh, enables you to keep uh, going from projects to projects and, uh, and and keep going forward. And trust, I think I, I, I trust trust uh, uh, those who are in in our team. I, I believe you know even if they 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 start with a lot with a lack of experience, but I think they have a lot of new ideas and they are bold to share it. And very soon they become very confident and this, this trust and confidence lead them to take over a lot of initiative and therefore drive a lot of things by themselves. This is the great thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, you, you said you have a lot of young um, team members in your team and you, Gaëtan, with all this luggage and experience and, and, and know-how, how, how does that um i would say generation gap how do you how do you manage that into our environment of today which is digital fast moving and 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 with what we are living today i think this is it i think they bring so much to me because they keep me in touch with a lot of things and, and <laughs> i keep learning every day they challenge my ideas then we put everything together and and i think the the dialogue is is productive and very constructive and 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 this challenge non-stop challenge because you know like 
every day I can spend like one hour in the morning in our briefing sessions. They, we review a number of ideas and projects and, and they, they, they are always, you know, very, they've read something, they've experienced something, they've seen, and, and they come with, and we question and, and, and rethink a number of, of projects together. And, and I think this bridge the gap, what you are saying. And in fact, uh, then I can say, I remember maybe 10 years or 15 years ago, we have tried this and this is what happened. But now there's a new element which will make it successful. It didn't succeed before and now we can. And, and these are things which change nonstop. Wow. Yeah. Uh, speaking about challenges, uh, Gaetan, if we look back at your personal uh, entrepreneurial journey, you know, as a, as a business leader, would you be able to point at one or, or a couple of what have been your biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge was when I was younger, I think, uh, which remains a challenge to every young person in, in this world, you know, young entrepreneur, I would say, is, is because you are young, people tend not to trust you, not to give you your chance. And this is something which has always been difficult. And some people, on top of it, even when they age like 30, 35, they still look young and this doesn't help. I was a bit in this picture. And maybe that is why I, I, I like very much working with the young people now, the millennials or uh, those. Uh, because uh, I was not given this chance when I tried it. I had to try harder. And maybe also because... Um, it was a different time. It was a different time and people uh, were, the whole setup in Mauritius was very established and people used to know who, and you know, Mauritius is also, because of its scale, a place of, it's not what you know, but who you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have to bridge this gap between the who and the what. So that then you, you can really uh, prove that you can do something different. I think that was the biggest challenge. Then with years, uh, once you pass the first step, the, the second one is always easier, no? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, that's what we hope, you know, as, a, as entrepreneurs. But sometimes <laughs> we're like, we already climbed the mountain and there's another mountain in front of us. And then we're like, okay, let's keep yeah. going. <laughs> But each time you learn something, you know, each step brings you a lot of things. Even if it doesn't succeed, you still learn something out of it. And this is, for me, this is what it is. And I think I've observed also something in, in, in um, which is a, a bit of a contradiction in, in the Mauritian context. I see that less in Africa, but in Mauritius, we... We had a history, we are all immigrants, right? We came from different places and then landed here. And mm-hmm. when we left our origin, port of origin, we didn't even know where we were going. And yet they were brave enough to cross the sea and to arrive here. And I think it's, it's the, 
this is the essence of an entrepreneur. It's a risky journey. Mm -hmm. You take an adventure, you go. You don't even know where and what will happen, but still you take the risk. And this, but then we arrive in Mauritius two or three or five generations later, we go into this security, this comfort of security, and then we don't want to, to, to be an entrepreneur anymore. And the parents also, I feel that with a lot of parents of my generation, they want to, you know, protect their children and say, don't do this, do something comfortable, do something conventional, do this, do that. And of course, they all end to be accountants or doctors or whatever, but never entrepreneur. Or they do the same job as their parents, then it's, it's safe. But to innovate, to do a startup, to do something, it's a question mark. And, and this, I think we've lost. Unless, like now, we are in a COVID situation or in the older days, in uh, the next day after a cyclone, then our back is against the wall, then, then we can uh, Then we need to shift rebound. more. Yes. <laughs> And the, the survival mode is like the best way for us. We can only work under pressure and then do give the best out of it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting analysis from you. And speaking about this uh, entrepreneurial scene, I would say, what is your perspective on the current Mauritian entrepreneurial scene? and also on a broader scale of the African entrepreneurial scene. You have seen it evolve throughout the years. I think your earlier question uh, really um, sort of introduced this because uh, uh, we were too, too much traditionally in a safe mode, playing in a safe mode. And therefore, entrepreneur means risk and risk is something we don't want to take. But when our back is against the wall in Mauritius, I see us capable of doing really the best. And, and you take any Mauritian, you put it in a strange place. I don't know, in Africa, in Pakistan, or wherever, in Brazil, he will find his way and, and, and be able to, to succeed. Uh, the, we have an expression in Mauritius, tracé. And tracé means, you know, like draw your own path to somewhere, but preferably to success. And we manage. Look at, I, I will give you an example of in Mauritius. It's, it's a sort of typical uh, Mauritian, which is quite well known. You take a beach hawker. The guy mm -hmm. uh, sells souvenirs on the beach not not too much now because we we, have, we don't have many, many tourists but he takes his bag his basket and walks on the beach and chat up every tourist in every language english french italian german he hasn't been to school but he speaks four languages or five languages he's able to negotiate sell the goods give money in dollar and, re and, and, and take back in euro, whatever, give the change in euro. Uh, this guy has never been to school, but yet yes. he's successful in what he's doing and he's an entrepreneur. And this is, I think, a typical Mauritian that given the right chance, he will be able, he has this survival DNA in him, which will make him do uh, big things. 
And now if you trans transpose that into our digital scene with a proper framework with for startups to really crystallize a lot of new ideas and innovate, I am sure given the right market, they will be successful, these people, I'm sure. But this is, this is the, the, I think, what Mauritius needs more, and we are not doing it enough. Uh, I'm glad that your, your initiative is moving towards this side. In Africa, you asked me about Africa, I think uh, the scene is different. They don't have a well-structured um, public and private sector like in Mauritius, and they have a, a big informal economy. And this big informal economy is in fact full of entrepreneurs, natural entrepreneurs. And these people, for them, business as usual is survival as usual. Every day you have street vendors. They, you go to, um, I've seen, in, you go to Addis Abeba in the market, in the recycle market, for example, but they've been doing recycling for 20 years. If nothing is thrown away. Every waste is a is a raw material that has a second life, you know, and transform into a new product. They are innovating, transforming, recycling, and selling. You go to Cotonou, they have invented the moto taxi with their smartphone. They are like Uber, but moto taxi in they're already entrepreneurs, you know. In yeah, Kinshasa, I've seen yeah. It's incredible. And in Kinshasa, uh, the, you have the, the power man. The power man is the guy who reach up because no one, not everyone has electricity at home. So he recharge batteries for smartphone in the street. He has all adapters you can imagine for all makes of telephone. You can even exchange your battery with him. And But the guy is innovating. He's selling. They identify a service or a product and they find the market, they, 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 they sell it. So I think this for them, if you manage to connect them with the right structure, framework, and, and uh, is help incentives, they will do great. Yeah. At in Mauritius, it's, it's, it's a bit too comfort, comfortable now. Huh? That's, that's something we need to to push them further. So you think that in Mauritius, we should challenge a little bit more the entrepreneurs uh, ecosystem so that they, yeah, they, they challenge themselves a little bit more? Yes, I think we should because, uh, and also there is a lot of situation which is unknown. First of all, the education. The education train us, you know, very academic and very natural. So the creative okay. part of our mind is not developed at all. And therefore, uh, and creation is linked with artists and art. And therefore, they think you will never be able to earn a living with that. And this is, you know, in the, in the mind of all the parents and even governments, all governments think the same thing. So if you are an artist, uh, do it on the side. Don't bring it into your business. And this is a part of your business. No, do it on the side. So this is a problem. This, and therefore, we have a structure with incentives, with protective nets, with assistance or subsidies, whatever you call it. But people don't know about it. And if you are creative, you don't qualify for it. And so 
and, and it's organized very poorly. The, I think this has to be organized differently and connect the people, inform them, and accompany them towards and, and give them a chance. What is a startup? A startup, maybe nine out of 10 will not succeed. Never mind, but the one that succeed will employ 100 people or 200 people. So this is what we should aim at. And I think also, uh, this is maybe the island thinking. The, we have difficulty to think beyond the frontiers, beyond the sea, uh, because the sea is the natural frontier. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we, we don't want to export, we don't want, we feel a bit, you know, from a small island, etc. So our geography is limited. We, if you're an African, the continent is so big, your own country is so big. <laughs> the market has nothing to do with us. As you know, in one day, you, you tour the island and that's it. So our geography, but this is not for the young entrepreneur, I'm saying that. Even the big private sector company cannot think of beyond the frontiers. They, I mean, some do, of course. But like Africa is terra incognita. It's a dangerous place. I don't want to go there. I don't know what will happen to me. You know, this sort of thing. But so this knowledge or this open mind towards Africa is still to, to be uh, developed. The private sector also, when our private sector thinks of Africa, or uh, they are very conventional, I would say. Look at agriculture. Agriculture is still horizontal in Mauritius. It, it will not go vertical. They, they will never think of agriculture. You need land. In many places, you don't need land. You just do agriculture. It's a different way, but we are still stuck with it. Tourism has to reinvent itself only now because COVID, again, the back against the wall. So new, new areas of new economic activities are, you know, very shy. The green economy, blue economy. Mm -hmm. uh, we are an aging population. We don't see anything being developed in this direction. So all this the digitalization of our whole economy is still, I think, very late compared to, to Africa, even. Look at mobile money in Africa. Everybody yeah. uses mobile money, and we are late. <laughs> so this is, I think, there is a gap. There is a big difference between both. Yeah, absolutely, Gaëtan. I, I think also that in terms of... Uh... Not only the maturity of um, technology and adoption of technology, but the maturity of the population itself towards entrepreneurship locally is 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 uh, it's a very at an early stage. And uh, yes, we us uh, at Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, we are trying to bring our our little uh, brick in in French to 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 try to bridge the gap between the, the knowledge in the community, you know? So um, it's one of the initiatives and, 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 uh, and I'm sure there will be many, many, many others. And, and, you know, everything will take time. And with time, hopefully we will be able to, 
to catch up with uh, with other countries you know when we look at uh, the us when we look at asia and the pace at which they they, they evolve so hopefully we very soon we'll be able to to be at, at that level um i would like to to go back to that broader african perspective you were talking about and and get your your thought on wh what do you believe the role of african startups can play in the future of africa i think that i mean um First of all, the startup. The word startup is is what is linked with with innovation. Eh? First, sometimes linked with IT, uh, but it's not always linked with the digital economy. But but it is very, very let's say the digital is a, a tool to speed up matters in all the innovation the the startups may 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 do, and. One thing, Africa is a young continent in terms of demography. I think it's the youngest continent in the whole world. So youth, for me, is a, a, a strong element of innovation. They think differently. They, and Africa is back with uh, the notion of survival, and therefore they have to invent a lot of things. So, and the best But unfortunately, the best intelligence very often of Africa leaves Africa. Uh, you have a huge diaspora around the world, but luckily now things are getting better. They are coming back from, from New York to Dakar, from you know, London to, to Lagos, and all these people are coming back. And this is bringing uh, like a full army of young, capable youth arriving back um, to home and and when you look at at all these 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 african countries now what are happening every single you mentioned that earlier sort of difficulty crisis brings opportunity which for them is their everyday life one what let let me give you a few examples you I am, this is a bit of in my field. When you look at an African city, it's nothing to do with a European city or a Western world. There is a sort of a chaos in the city. The streets have no name. The people go in all directions. If you are not born there and you have lived there, you, you can't find your way. But any African who lives there, He surely can find his own way and manage in the city. Somehow. And this, somehow. But this is, a, a, I don't say, a, a full basket of opportunities. In Abidjan, I remember a guy, young millennial, he is now a millionaire. He realized that with your smartphone, you can locate people sort of uh, GPS, etc. locate people. And there are no names, no streets. And how do, do people... He started with deliver a pizza. How do you deliver a pizza in a, in a city like Abidjan? It's impossible. You don't have a street, you don't have an address. So he says to the guy, just phone me and then don't move. Give me your pin and I'm, I'm coming to deliver your pizza. 
and he, he, he started his own uh, app based on that. And now he has sold it into DHL and FedEx in these places. And so this is the sort of the chaos of the city has created an opportunity and he has capitalized on that and he is doing it. Same for, uh, I think in Ghana, there was a guy with, uh, you know, the medicine, the drugs, medical drugs are not are generic. So you don't know what is a good one or not. And with the barcode, he has been able to scan it. And with an app, they can know whether it's a fake or it's a good one. And again, he's sold that to labs in Switzerland. And that's it. So these opportunities create new ideas and innovation nonstop. The whole city of Africa, which I, was my starting point, I was saying to you, in fact, could be connected in a digital network to restructure the city in a virtual way. You know, in Europe, you need physical infrastructure to connect people by road, by car, by vehicle, etc. They don't need that. And to leapfrog, they just have to connect virtually. In Rwanda, they, are, uh, they have been uh, uh, delivering uh, medicine by drones to, to, the, to the villagers. And there are no roads between the capital city and this village. The drone is doing the work without the infrastructure. So this sort of, of innovation connected with, with digital in the city is creating a wealth of, of opportunities. The two-thirds of the Africans don't have a bank account, and yet they are selling goods, transferring money with a smartphone. You just buy a bottle of water in Nairobi, you pay by a, by a smartphone. You don't pay by M-Pesa. And this has been going on for 10 years. So yeah. all this, I think, is, is, is changing completely, and Africa is really uh, moving in this direction. And there are so many other examples I can give you in the creative economy, in the tropical economy, which are wealth of, of, of opportunities, which Mauritius also should, you know, sort of uh, try to uh, go into more deeply. Yeah, so definitely like um, all these innovative thinking and also actions from, from these uh, entrepreneurs definitely contributes to the to the african economy and to the african countries and as a whole uh, down the road definitely africa will move forward absolutely absolutely there is always good signs uh, the the middle class uh, there is a strong uh, african middle class today it's 400 million people who earn a proper living they have they can save money and therefore they can now uh, spend their money into different uh, uh, services leisure culture good education good health to the family all this is already happening 400 million is you know is a big population absolutely Gaetan, we are nearing the end of the show and um, I would like to come back a little bit to you, Gaetan Siu, and uh, ask you uh, a personal one. <laughs> and I would like to ask you, what drove you to, to go on a three-month backpacking expedition on the ancient Silk Road? <laughs> oh, 
I think um, um, there were two, two, two main, uh, I would say, drivers. One, uh, I, I didn't do it by myself. I did it with my son, my, my only, only son. And we, it was a bit of a father and son bonding. Uh, we have, he, he left home quite early. He went uh, uh, at 16, he was already overseas. I was traveling a lot and we didn't spend enough time together. And these three months on the road was really a father and son bonding and, and was quite uh, an interesting experience. You know, you live with one person 24 hours 24/7 for three months, eh? you, you don't nonstop, which is uh, fabulous because we visited many many places together and shared a lot of experience. The second is is I think a quest for discovery because this area of the world is like a dark zone in in my world map. Eh? Something you would never go there unless you are invited or you have you definitely take the decision to go there. And uh, so that was really an experience. And, and, you know, myself, my origin also is in between Asia, Europe and Africa. And, and this place a bit was a connection between Asia and, and Europe. And somewhere um, I discovered a lot of, of things that relate to me as a person. And the reality was much better than my own expectations. In fact, I really enjoyed it. Nice. It's always, uh, it's always good to be on a journey of self-discovery and be pleasantly surprised by the self-discovery. Thank you. Um, Gaëtan, we, we reached the end of, uh, of our conversation. And as usual, I would like to ask you if If you had three pieces of advice for all these entrepreneurs out there listening to us, what would they be? I think uh, to an entrepreneur, I think you have to say, be bold. Go and just not be afraid of the unknown, whether the place, the sector, the whatever you want to do. In any case, you're going to learn something out of it whether it's a failure or a success you're going to learn and the next one will be better uh, and 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 again it's a bit like a travel the travel you know when I, we did the silk road this i didn't say that to you earlier but we knew approximately the direction where we were going but we didn't know the next day what we are going to see we didn't know if we go on this bus we will really arrive in the place we wanted to go sometimes we didn't even arrive there but we had to go up and nobody speak our language in any case to tell us whether it's a good direction or not so you have to take a chance but at the end of the day whatever happens in the journey you learn something you you discover new opportunities and you are happy with it. That's the lesson of the travel itself. Eh? Try, you will never be dis disappointed. On these wise words, uh, Gaëtan, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us on Entrepreneur Talk Africa and sharing about your journey and, uh, and your wisdom with us. It, it was a real, real pleasure to exchange with you. 
and I, I, I'm sure that our audience will feel the same way. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Was a pleasure also. Yeah, so welcome back, Jason and Mark. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. What, uh, what are your first thoughts? Let, let me start. Um, I think that we had, you had the conversation with Master Yoda for 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I did. And, and particularly when he said, try, you will never be deceived. That That's my one of my things that was really disappointed. Sorry. It's try, don't actually, do not try do or do not don't try and i think that that's that's the philosophy that he was explaining says just just do it let's go for it you know and, and, and you will see what happens um but i think in, in well he, he shared a lot of stuff actually so he had um so he has traveled the world uh and, and met so many people so many experiences i think that one, one thing i noted down and i took a couple of notes while he was speaking um and I think I would take from from the beginning of when he was explaining, you know, his job and the team that he has. And I think that he talked about trust. And I don't remember actually talking about trust or having people talking about trust in the previous episodes, honestly. Um, yeah. Which is actually completely core to any venture that you're launching. If you don't trust yourself first, and others, well, you know, nothing will happen actually. So, so I think it's it's really really key to anything you you start is of course trusting your abilities. And if you don't trust hundred percent, that's fine. It's just what trust you can re you can succeed. I think that's most more important than anything else. And I think that he nailed it nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, you you. You are right. I, I also cannot remember any of our uh, previous uh, hosts who, who, who put forward the trust. And um, it's funny because I'll share a, a personal, personal back story uh, on that. So this morning I was um, sharing with my wife that I was going to host uh, Gaëtan Siu and um, how I'm preparing it and what we're going to talk about. And then she she gave me her feedback and tell me, you know, um, from her entrepreneur perspective, she would like to get the tips and tricks of, uh, of someone as Gaëtan who has, you know, uh, worked on multiple projects, has so much experience, like how did he manage to get through challenges? And, you know, sometimes we expect to have a list of tips and tricks. And then he just, Gaëtan just bring it to the simple fact of, I trust my team and I do teamwork, you know, as simple as that. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we tend to overthink and go into big strategies and, and stuff like that when it is a very simple thing, you know? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Jason, what are your thoughts, gentlemen? Wow, I thoroughly enjoyed your talk, and I think, you know, there's, there's so much advice and so many gems throughout his, his, your conversation that, that were really inspirational. Um, and I love at the start, I, I mean, he kicked it off great. I loved at the start when he said, you know, during the times of COVID, we're working more and we're achieving less. And uh, I was like, oh, you nailed it on that one, because that's how it feels at the moment, you know. 
we're, we're, we're grinding as hard as we possibly can, hustling, and yet we're not achieving as much as we, we thought we would this year or, or we thought we could this year. Um, so yeah, he started off there. But the first uh, point that uh, really struck me was actually when he was also talking about, you know, that element of his team and how he values the, the diversity in his mm. team, you know, and the, that dyna- the, the dynamicness that that brings um, and how he, he means diversity in all spectrums, you know, from diversity of age to culture, you know, and I believe that without that diversity, you don't really have the true innovation potential. You need those different perspectives in to give you the the views, a holistic view of the problem or the solution. And I think that's that's really important. And a lot of founders have that um, tendency almost to hire what they know and who they know. And that kind of keeps them in the same circle, uh, which keeps them in the same type of thinking. So I think there's real value in that and understanding that if someone's different, they can bring something different. Even if you don't necessarily agree with all of their views, it still adds value to your end product. So I think I thought that was a really interesting point, and I, I and I definitely, you know, align with him on that one. And then his second element that that really struck me was, uh, of course, you know, with my passion of being innovation as well. When he's talking about how when your back's up against the wall, that's when you get that innovation, and and somehow in our safe little bubbles, we lost that drive to to really take risks and and put ourselves out there. And I think that that element is, is so true culturally, not just in Mauritius, but in Africa, where the success is seen as you becoming a doctor or a lawyer or, or an accountant to have that stability in life, to have that um, comfort almost. And culturally, entrepreneurship is not seen on that level. It's seen as, you know, such a high risk that it's not worth taking. So I think there's there's change needed in that aspect i think we need to change the cultural mindset of of what an entrepreneur is and what it can be and like he says it out of 10 you only need one to change the lives of 200 300 people and employ so i think those aspects of innovation that he spoke about were so true and and really good lessons for any entrepreneurs listening out there absolutely absolutely and i agree with you I would like to have both of your thoughts on something that I have picked up um, during the conversation when he says, like, we need to challenge a little bit more the local entrepreneur, yeah, the Mm -hmm. local entrepreneurs, because we are a little bit too comfortable, even though we are entrepreneurs, even though we are in startup, we are a little bit too comfortable if we compare ourselves to the African scene. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I, I cannot but agree, um, yeah. and I think and I think that well, a couple couple of things there, and and I want to probably you know reflect to another thing, and and I'll come back to answering the question through through that example. Sorry, I'm just saying uh, you know thinking a lot here. Um, when he was giving examples of what he saw in Kinshasa, Kotonou, Addis, uh, about those guys who are inventing things, you know, that that may sound for, I would say, Western ears, kind of, yeah, well, that's small things. Honestly, it's, yeah, okay, fine, well, yeah. Well, well. But actually, when you think about that, 
and, and when you take a couple of steps back, says, hey, you know what? There, there may be some things behind that. So yeah, may have guys charging, you know, things in the street. But actually, if you think about those guys in Kinshasa, and I've seen them, actually, I was in Kinshasa, what, 10 years ago, and I saw those guys. But it took another probably four or five years to get chargers in airports. Now you have them. And that, that was an opportunity at that time. Okay, And nobody saw it. And the GPS location in Abidjan that, that he was talking about, well, nobody saw it as well. And, and no, now everybody's using GPS and blah, 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 and all the things. And I think that that's where, to come back to the comfort zone where we are in, the fact is, because we're on an island, it's, you know, well, we have limited exposure to ideas. And, and sometimes we tend to think, and I'm sorry for that, but think to think small. And I've seen that in startups, unfortunately. The guys come up with projects and say, ah, oh, the project, yeah, we'll do something in Mauritius. Why Mauritius? The world is the world. Digital can, can bring you to anywhere. And if you do something smart, well, you can, as this guy was selling to DH, DHL, so he sold his company to DHL. And, that, and that's the thing that we need to change is first, small ideas can have big impact and we need to think big from, from the get-go. And therefore, but to do that, and I agree with what Jason was saying about being you know, uh, the, you know, the, the back to the wall. And I think that, that what COVID has provided and the lockdown and the fact that we are early October, okay? And of course, when people will listen to that, it will be November probably, and hopefully we'll have the borders open and maybe not, and our borders are not open. So if we don't think, and if we don't get out of the comfort zone, well, that will be a very difficult future. And I think time is now, small ideas, big impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jason? Yeah, I, I agree with the, the points raised there. And I think that we, as particularly in the local ecosystem, we are in, uh, a little bit of a bubble and we have that safety net almost. Um, so I think we do need to push ourselves, as he calls it, past the frontier and and think big, like, like Mark says, you know, that ability to think big and not just around us is important when you are an entrepreneur. You've got to have that drive, that that vision for a bigger, better whether it's product, service, whatever it may be. And I think necessity drives that. It's almost like we just need a little bit of a fire underneath us. And I think, you know, COVID could provide that because we have seen, I mean, across the ecosystem, the startup ecosystems, the entrepreneurial ecosystems of the world, how some of, the, some of these big companies are born out of crisis or like the financial crisis in 2008, uh, saw a peak rise, uh, the companies such as Airbnb uh, were born in that crisis. So I think we'll see a very similar thing here where it, that fire, as the term goes, has been put underneath us. It's been COVID, it's put us our backs against the wall. So hopefully this is that little spark or that catalyst that we need in order to, to take that step one step further and and face that frontier and push past it think bigger think better and uh, yeah and i think it is a key element that we need to consider when we are growing our ecosystems is like think bigger well well on these uh, words of wisdom from both of you gentlemen uh, thank you so much for again being part of the show and contributing it was great to have your insights again. 
thanks to the audience. So you've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, your source of inspiration and actions from African leaders and founders. Today I had the immense pleasure and honor, honestly, to host Gaëtan Sioux. I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, see you next week.